and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 47th episode of the podcast for the week of April 8th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome back San Diego-based professional astrologer, feng shui advisor, and goddess guru, Simone Butler, to join me in a discussion on Pluto, Saturn, and the South Node. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the front page of my website if you would like to donate in a one-time capacity. You can do so over at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week carrying on the newness of her waxing cycle in the grounded earth of Taurus before moving into the intellectually stimulating air of Gemini midday on Monday. She hangs out in this breezy realm until moving into the sensitive and security-conscious waters of Cancer Wednesday evening. Luna then swims through the cardinal tide, making her first quarter square midday Friday. She then moves into the fiery warm hearth of Leo early Saturday morning and where she will remain for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up that all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, this week is actually something else. (laughs) Uh, It is going to be a doozy, I think, in many ways, and life is definitely shifting. We have Venus making a conjunction to Neptune, a sextile to Saturn and Pluto. We have the Sun making a square to Saturn and Pluto, and then trining Jupiter, which is huge, all three of those. Uh, And then Mercury makes its last square to Jupiter, uh, which has been a dance that's been going on since February. Um, And then also uh, makes contact with, um, with Pluto, I believe. We'll have to check in. There's so much going on, my mind has forgotten at this point. <laughs> but mostly, that first quarter moon in Cancer is bringing some emotional challenges our way. Um, and it's quite significant, I think, especially for this year, uh, this first half of the year. So, you know, let's not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, the moon is in Taurus, and she will move to Gemini around midday here on the Pacific coast. Uh, And early, early on in the morning, she'll make a trine to Pluto. And so we don't have any aspects perfecting yet on Monday, but Lord knows they will be brewing. (laughs) So just keep in mind that everything I'm saying for this week is all kind of melding in together. So the bottom line for Monday is is that we start out the week with a two-part day as we move from the grounded Earth of Taurus and head into the social chattiness of Gemini around midday. Now, by the evening, we are likely to feel the approaching conjunction to Mars, which may leave a bit of unsettledness or some anxious energy in the air. So if you find yourself in maybe a a mental tornado over something, because that can definitely happen with this Gemini energy, uh, you know, find some time to meditate or to center the minds in some way, or to maybe grab a loved one uh, to play a game or to have a chat, because that will help to redirect that energy constructively. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Gemini, uh, and that conjunction to Mars happens super, super early in the morning, so that's why we're probably feeling it the night before a little bit more. Uh, But then during the day, she will make a square to Venus and Neptune. And that is quite significant because on Tuesday, Venus is making a conjunction to Neptune. So the moon is help lighting up this aspect even more. And so Venus, Venus is our uh, relationship planet uh, where we open up and draw things in and attract things to us, where we may be seduced in some way um, into something, but it's also tapping into, uh, you know, harmony and peace. And so a conjunction is always going to bring a new cycle because those energies are merging together as one to begin uh, anew. And that Neptune vibe is definitely a spiritual one, um, but it is also, it's very romantic, it's very rose-colored at times. But there can be a confusing quality to it, uh, a dissolving quality to it, um, a, a spectacle quality to it, where there can be over the top, you know, those sort of things. So now Venus is receiving three planetary hits this week, starting with this dreamy conjunction to Neptune and Pisces. And so Venus is right at home in her exaltation sign of Pisces. So she's really soaking up this watery, romantic vibe and merging with the yin energy. Um, So we are drawing things to us at this time, um, and it helps to create things that are spiritually higher. But it does have a self-indulgent quality, so I would watch for substances this week in particular and at this time uh, because there's a greater permeability uh, and a taking in that is happening. And we might go a little too far in that zone if we're not careful. Uh, because we do have the capability of uh, delusion at this time or seduced in seeing what it is we want to see, um, which is sometimes, you know, that might not work, but other times it could be such things as daydreaming, um, where we are like fantasizing about, you know, what we want or our ideals in life. But that really is a stark contrast to tomorrow's Sun-Saturn square that demands reality of us. So we have conflicting energy within this week, and there may be a roller coaster-like effect of, uh, you know, energies going on. But really, this this conjunction can help creative and artistic pursuits. Uh, they might activate that or start a new cycle in that area in some way, imagining what we'd like to make reality in, you know, in the creative realm. And so there is that idealism that's permeating at this time. And we may just want to tuck ourselves away from the harshness of the world and be held by those we love because Venus as in Pisces loves to be held. Um, so just, just know that kind of escapism 
might be seducing us at this time. So the bottom line for Tuesday is that the lunar energy in Gemini squares our Venus-Neptune conjunction. So there's likely to be some anxiousness in the air around this dreamy vibe. Uh, And perhaps there's an uncertainty in maybe relationships or creative endeavors or some confusion or doubt around maybe what to open up to or to let into our lives. And so there is likely to be tension between rationalizing how we feel or maybe that we are feeling irrational. So just remain flexible and see both sides to whatever coin is in your hand. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Gemini, but she will move to Cancer in the evening uh, here on the Pacific Coast. And along the way, she'll make a sextile to the sun, a square to Mercury, an opposition to Jupiter, and then a sextile to Uranus. And so there is a lot of things going on midweek on Wednesday. Uh, We have the sun squaring Saturn officially this day. We have Jupiter stationing to go retrograde in Sagittarius. Uh, And we also have Mercury making a sextile to Pluto. And then tomorrow we have Mercury making a square to Jupiter. So I'm going to lump those all into one uh, segment here for Wednesday just to sum it all up. So let's start with that Sun-Saturn square, because, you know, this this is a key turning point that we experience, you know, twice a year, every year, so... um it's, it's special. <laughs> uh, now the sun, sun, that's our vitality. It's our conscious awareness. It's that life force and that energy. Um, and really, whenever we have sun transits, we are turning some sort of page. Now, squares bring tension and challenge and events come to the forefront and really action is taking place. Uh, And sometimes we find ourselves at cross purposes with ourselves or with others. uh, And really, it's nobody's fault. It's just kind of that, um, you know, that crossroads position. So what are we uh, crossing? Well, that is Saturn. And Saturn demands of us, uh, you know, responsibility, duty, uh, organization, uh, stepping into authority or having to listen to authority, um, consolidating our lives in some way and, uh, you know, really bringing things down to earth. And so when the sun squares Saturn, there is usually the awareness that something needs to be handled or responsibility uh needs to be dealt with in our lives. And so hard work may be asked, and there are duties that demand our attention. Yet it may also be a time where we consciously examine what we've signed ourselves up for and what it is we owe ourselves and others. So there is likely to be tension in this space, and the material or business world may be getting us down at this time. And there can be tension with authority figures or our own inner authority, and the challenge of self-discipline may arise. And the world may just seem hard midweek, you know, and really this week in general, but just remember that this too shall pass. So use the decisive quality of this transit to align with what in you needs greater self-mastery. Now, we also have Jupiter stationing retrograde, and that's tying into our Mercury transits because Mercury is also squaring Jupiter. So let's start with what this retrograde means. Um, And really, this is our first outer planet retrograde for 2019. We've had Mercury retrograde uh, in March, but we we haven't had any of the outers go uh, turn around and go backwards yet. 
Um, but this month, we have plenty of that. We have Jupiter doing it this week. Uh, and then Saturn and Pluto are both going to go retrograde um, by the end of this month. So when we're moving forward and trying new approaches for most of the year, uh, you know, we've been doing that. We've been trying things, experimenting, you know, entertaining possibilities, putting ourselves out there. Uh, but now we can uh, work with what it is that we got uh, on the outside, you know, what we've already put out there. And now we internalize these growth energies so that we can do some introspection while Jupiter is retrograde. So there is a stability where we get to test our hypothesis and what we've put into action so far, you know, where we've been growing. But really, um, until August 11th, uh, when Jupiter turns direct uh, in Actually, Uranus goes retrograde that same day. So imagine August 11th to be quite active in the celestial sphere. You know, we're going to be testing testing these things out until that time. So basically work within the territory you have grown into. And by mid-August, we will know what needs to shift and continue growing from there. Now, Mercury is sextiling Pluto. And then on Thursday, it is squaring Jupiter. So we're going to combine this all together. So Mercury, Mercury is, you know, how we process things intellectually, the information that comes in, uh, how we're perceiving, how we're learning, how we're communicating, uh, transactions, news, things along those lines, uh, things that happen with a quickness because Mercury is ready to go. Um, now, but a little slower in Pisces, we'll just say that. A little slower. <laughs> so we have this sextile with Pluto, which a sextile helps us open a door or create an opportunity. And Pluto wants to change things, wants to transform situations, wants to go deep and purify. Now, the square to Jupiter, once again, we're getting action. We're getting events. We're getting challenges. Uh, you know, things are kicking up here. And Jupiter, like I was saying earlier, is about expanding your world and that growth and that movement that's taking place. Um, and so as this is the last pass of the sextile with Pluto, because keep in mind, these this is the third pass of all this. This is not new. The, we're now coming to conclusions over things that we have been uh, entertaining for quite some time now. And so since this is the last pass of the sextile, we are now at the point of moving forward, communicating change, researching what is next, and solving puzzles or problems that need our attention. There is still the intuitive vibe of Mercury and Pisces, so opening the mind and receptively listening is likely to bring the answer our way or to open the door to better understanding. Now, with Mercury uh, making its last square to Jupiter, our minds are focused on our future stories and have a big picture scope of what lies ahead or where we'd like to go. And with Jupiter stationing and very, very strong this week, this is an incredibly potent time to activate your imagination and envision where your ideal future is headed. Now, of course, we are likely to be more chatty, and there is the ability to go over the top or to exaggerate when we communicate. So be aware of, you know, the foot and mouth disease at this time, or, you know, the old adage that loose lips sink ships, uh, because there is that ability to go over, uh, overboard. Um, but overall, there is a communication, uh, you know, there's communications around growth and movement at this time. And that is likely setting us up with a trajectory for what will transpire until Jupiter turns direct in August. 
So uh, there's some considerable and palpable energy going on <laughs> there. So the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that the Mercury transits are lit up this day with that square to Mercury and the opposition to Jupiter. So communications are full force and the energy is, you know, thick in the air. There's a lot of excitement going on here. Uh, So the day is likely to go by fast, and people will be restless and excitable, maybe a little irritable at times, you know. Um, And so the mind and the mouth may go too far today if we aren't careful. So take heed in your interactions with others. Uh, And big changes are in the air midweek, and we are really feeling it. So by the evening, you may just want to nestle in with the Cancer moon into your, you know, comfy abode and nurture yourself in whatever way you see fit, because we might need it after this day. (laughs) Now, on Thursday, the moon is in Cancer, but is not making any lunar aspects. Um, And like I said, Mercury technically squares Jupiter on Thursday, but we've already covered that. So we'll just get down to the bottom line. Uh, So Thursday, we are continuing to wax forward towards first quarter. And emotional and behavioral energy is sensitive and subjective with that moon in Cancer. And so we may feel quite protective over our positions, and we may even be on the defense, especially if what we hold uh, sentiment for is being challenged or being asked to let go of. Uh, So take a load off this evening and nourish yourself with a tasty meal and, you know, spend time with your family and your loved ones because feeling supported at this time will really help to take the edge off. Now, on Friday, we officially have our first quarter moon in Cancer, which will happen around noontime here on the Pacific Coast. Uh, And really, Luna is going to trine Neptune, trine Venus. She's going to oppose Saturn. She's going to square the sun. She's going to oppose Pluto. She's going to trine Mercury. So Venus is getting... Venus. (laughs) Uh... The moon is getting around uh, on Friday for sure. That's funny. Venus. <laughs> Venus is a character that's more likely to get around, but uh, it's the moon on Friday. So, all right. So not only do we have our first quarter moon in Cancer, we also have Venus making a sextile to Saturn. So let's go over this first quarter moon business first um, because it's quite significant because it's happening at 22 degrees Cancer, uh, which just happens to be conjunct the North Node and where the North Node is right now. And so there is a strong quality to this first quarter moon in Cancer, not only because the moon is in her domicile, but she's also conjunct the North Node and in opposition to this week's heavy hitters, which are Saturn, Pluto, and the South Node. And so there are considerable pushes forward at this time, and there may be some insecurity or sensitivity to get through first in order to align with the higher path that is calling. So nurture yourself however you see fit, for that dose of self-love will help to deal with all the worldly demands that may be at our feet this week. And so emotions may be intense as we push away from the past to nourish and build the future. Now, with Venus making a sextile to Saturn, so once again, those are, that's that relationship quality where we're opening up to or what we're attracting in. Um, and sextiles, you know, it's an opportunistic uh, configuration where it opens the door to something. And so what are we open, opening the door to? Well, that's Saturn. So once again, that's Saturn's that, you know, that long-term consideration, commitments, um, decisions, uh, authority, structure, consolidation, organization. Um, and so really, you know, so Venus has already conjunct Neptune. She had that dreamy, <laughs> see, she had that, uh, that dreamy vibe, um, 
And But now she's going to go hit this the reality of Saturn. And so Venus is really mimicking Mercury's moves. Um, and being right behind Mercury, uh, it's as if the mind processes these energies first, and then Venus comes in to open us up further to the energy and to attract in what we've mentally decided upon. Um, and now as she makes a sextile with Saturn, we have the opportunity to have a discussion with our loved ones to reconnect with our expectations of each other so that both parties may be on the same page. And that could be love relationships, friendships, family, work partnerships, anybody that you are in a one-to-one situation with. And it also helps take that dreamy, creative influence of Venus uh, in, and Neptune that conjuncted a few days earlier prior and helps to ground that energy in concrete form um, as long as we are disciplined enough to do the work. So if you have a creative project uh, that maybe was birthed a couple days ago in your mind, you might be able to start laying ground on it at this time. And so it's likely to be a day where our relations um, with others are strengthened in a positive way if we are willing to, uh, you know, go there. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that this is the day that we are likely to feel the Sun, Saturn, Pluto square most as first quarter opposes these energies for a bird's eye view, yet also a tug of war with others. Now, hopefully that Venus meeting Saturn will soften the influence so that we can all work together and get on the same page. Now, it's bound to be an emotional day with lots of activity and with Mercury trining in, communications will just flow. And so there's likely to be a turning point quality with this cardinal T-square, yet we may not be able to move just yet within this configuration. So if you feel blocked, be patient and wait things out. Now, on Saturday, the moon is now in Leo and will make a square to Uranus and a sextile to Mars. Uh, And so on Saturday, we have the sun squaring Pluto. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, well. So sun, once again, that turning of the page, conscious awareness, that life force, that vitality is kicking up some more square action. You know, things are happening here. Um, And it's happening within the realm of Pluto, which is that deep, instinctual, you know, emotional place. That's where transformation lives. That's where we are confronted with situations that cause great change in our lives, or we're trying to purify an influence. Um, And now, okay, so we had our big Saturn square a couple days ago, and now we get to rendezvous with the lord of the underworld, Pluto. And so it is worth noting that the sun made that conjunction to Saturn on uh, January 1st, when we started off the year, and then made a conjunction to Pluto on uh, January 11th, which is funny because it's 1-1 and then 1-11. So many ones. <laughs> uh, so you can look to that time to see what's seated and where you are now pushing forth. As both the conjunctions and these squares take place in cardinal signs, these are initiating qualities that push towards the new or pivot from one position to another. And with the Plutonian influence, there are powerful forces that are testing our ability to change and rebirth, asking that we let go of old patterns and habits that are no longer suiting the agenda. And like the Saturn square, this one can be difficult with authority too. So be aware of that this week. Power struggles can certainly come up, yet if we are able to handle things differently and in a more mature manner, we will be looking pretty good. So if something breaks down, let that be a sign to move on and rebuild or to purge the influence entirely. 
So the bottom line for Saturday is that drama kicks up with that moon in Leo, especially as we start the day with a Uranus square. And the bit of restlessness or irritability may color the first part of the day on Saturday, uh, yet we will have the opportunity to tap into our enthusiasm and the heart's emotional force um, to take action and get some things done uh, once Luna makes that connection with Mars. And so with the Plutonian influence also exacting, uh, if we need to clean up or clear out, we will have the energy to do so. So you can tackle many areas at once, yet don't fragment yourself too much that you don't attend to what needs your attention most. Now, on Sunday, the moon is still in Leo and will make a trine to Jupiter and the sun. Uh, And so we have two things happening that day. We have the sun trining Jupiter and we have Venus sextiling Pluto. So sun trining Jupiter, that is definitely good news. (laughs) Um, And so once again, that life force uh, is trining in. Trines bring, you know, flowing energy. There's no boundaries. It just goes right in. And Jupiter is all about growth and movement uh, and expansion there. And so now comes this week's shining aspect as the fiery sun in Aries flows with the expansive abundance of Jupiter and Sag. And we are likely to feel the fires within us roar up and enthusiasm returns to warm our bones. Uh, And it's funny, on the astrology podcast, they named this day as their auspicious election, which I'm just thrilled about because this is the day of my massive yard sale. So if you live in San Diego, be sure to come by. Now, really, this influence has been playing out all week, uh, flowing great growth and movement our way during this highly dynamic week that has been taking place. And so good vibes return along with optimism and maybe even a dash of good luck. Uh, And the bigger picture of it all is becoming clearer and clearer, and we are ready for what life has to bring next. So embrace this positive state of being and live in the present within it, uh, because it will be good for the spirit. Now, Venus sextiling Pluto is so now she's coming into this transformative energy. And so Venus really wraps up her transit story this week with that sextile to Pluto. So after already meeting Neptune and Saturn uh, and connections with others, you know, So basically, connections with others may help to change your life in some way at this time uh, with whatever that looks like. You know, there's there's some help going on there. And so there's also deepening going on there, too, which deepens that intimate realm of bonding. And so, you know, fate may bring you a relating experience you need at this time. So get ready to merge and transform. So the bottom line for Sunday is is that the sun is shining and after a potentially rough week, we are feeling good about life as a grand trine and fire helps to light up enthusiasm and good vibes. And this is a great day to enjoy life and to do something your heart is just yearning to do. So spread some love around to yourself and others and embrace the joy that this day has to offer. So to wrap it all up here, and boy, it's been a lot. I apologize if this uh, segment's going to be rather long this week. Um, But, you know, this week really brings us no shortage of planetary energies. (laughs) And we are likely to find ourselves at times exhilarated with possibility and at other times feeling the weight of the world on our shoulders. Yet when it's all said and done, we will have grown by leaps and bounds as change pivots us towards what is next. 
So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something to what I've been talking about. Uh, And this week I drew temperance as the focus and the ten of swords as the grounding. And with temperance as the focus, this week we are in need of finding moderation within our approach while also going with the flow and having patience with whatever it is we encounter. So now where the justice card is more about an external balance taking place, the temperance card is all about the inner states being in harmony, where we have an inner balance going on. And so this week is not about extremes, but rather finding that delicate balance where inner peace can help us navigate even the stormiest of outer conditions. So don't spread yourself too thin and find that middle of the road approach that will help keep things even keeled. And with Venus meaning Neptune this week, this card can also serve as a reminder not to abuse substances too heavily. Moderation is everything at this time, so that is key. Now, with the Ten of Swords as the grounding, part of where we may need this balanced approach is within situations that are ending or where there are defeats or failures taking place that may cause our equilibrium to swing to and fro. And there is the ability to feel like a martyr in a situation, as if life is out to get us, and we melodramatically attach to that soul-crushing narrative. Yet instead, this is really about renewal and turning a new leaf, honoring what in our lives may have hit rock bottom and now can only go up. So let the old stories go and let bygones be bygones. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's Animal Ambassador— the weasel. Hey, buddy. All right. So I'm not going to lie. My mind immediately went back to the 90s and Polly Shore, who used to call himself, I might still call himself the weasel. And so I may be dating myself, but whatever. You know, don't wheeze the juice, man. All kidding aside, this slippery little mammal is here to remind us to pay attention and observe with our senses and our feelings what is happening on the inside and outside so that we may approach our lives this week from more of an observer state. So spend a few minutes each day going into a neutral space, taking deep breaths to help center yourself, and then just allow your consciousness to float and become aware of your senses and the subtleties of feeling. And by having this detached yet attuned approach, we can get a better perspective around what is going on all around us, while also tuning into how that resonates on the inside. So dispel any reactions of judgment or trying to figure it all out, and instead just be present and centered in the heart. This will get you closer to the needs of the true self. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how that might look for you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Uh, Every Sunday, I release a custom spread that I have made that's aligned with the astrological energies. Uh, And you don't need to know too much about tarot. Um, You can use oracle cards if you like to as well. Uh, But really, it's there to help you gain insight into these astrological placements. And so last week we worked on starting fresh with that new moon in Aries, and this week we will be working on grace under pressure. So if you want to find out more, you can check out a freebie spread over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. 
All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's special guest, Simone Butler. Thank you so much for joining me again. Hey, now. And Simone, you may remember her if you've been a listener of podcast for a while, because this is actually her third visit to the podcast. Uh, In the past, we have discussed the lunar eclipse in Aquarius, which was fun, (laughs) and and the sun square Uranus at the same time. Um, And then we discussed Mars retrograde back during the summer, which was a hot ticket of 2018 for sure. So Simone, before we get started here, just in case people haven't heard you before, uh, give us a little background. Sure. Well, I'm a San Diego-based astrologer, and I've been doing this work for a long time, at least 30 years. I won't date myself too much by telling you when I began studying, but I have written two books, um, Astro Feng Shui, in which I, I sort of amalgamated astrology and feng shui, and um, moon power, which is... Um, lunar rituals and empowering your goddess self through understanding your moon. And I do a uh, show for Patreon uh, called Simone Says, S-E-Z. And I blog at astroalchemy.com. Yes. So Simone is doing her thing out there and has for a while. So she has some valuable things to share. (laughs) Um, And I also, I always forget um, that I also post on Instagram every day. And I really pride myself on choosing images. And often I blend images together that really speak to whatever the energy for that day is. And I get feedback that people like that better than they like almost anything that I do. I so. love your phone. I love the... It is so funny because the the Instagram pictures that you post... Like where, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I'll write like a novel below it. But sometimes you can just sum it up in like three sentences and then the picture gives that thousand words, you know? Like, <laughs> And I just love it. That's for one reason, because I'm usually doing it at like seven in the morning and I, I'm half asleep. And usually I choose the, the picture the night before. Um, but then when it comes down to actually presenting it, I just... You know, I want to get it over. It's like I want to <laughs> and move on to my day and make it as concise as I can. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So you can find her on Instagram at Simone.moonpower. Oh, thank you. Yes. yes. And uh, I highly recommend you follow her because I just love the, especially the other day, I couldn't help but just laugh out loud when you did the post about the, the Florida man around the time of Mercury yeah. uh, stationing on Neptune, who was trying yeah. to make it to uh, Bermuda through... Bermuda Triangle. Why in the... What kind of destination point is that? I know. He wanted to be sucked up from the universe, I suppose. <laughs> but, he, but he was traveling. This is the key piece. He was traveling or attempting to in one of those huge like inflatable uh, hamster ball, like water balls, right? Yeah. That's- hamster wheels. Yeah. <laughs> With no safety precautions. And it was the third time he's attempted it and he has not modified his, um, his vehicle in any sense. And sure enough, the Coast Guard stopped him again. I don't know, you know, how that all happened, but they, you know, they find him and it costs the taxpayers like $144,000. 
So the guy is like got a few screws loose, definitely. But it's certainly, I think we've all felt like we have a few screws loose under this Mercury Neptune retrograde. Ugh, I know. I, I swear, the past how many podcasts has just been me and each of my guests would just we keep defaulting back to this because it has been so potent in its <laughs> in its watery ways that uh, it's really hard to ignore. Um, and uh, that's so crazy about that guy's story, and especially being fr- I'm from Florida, born and raised. So uh, there is something called Florida Man hashtag Florida Man, and there is a documentary called Florida Man because there is a specific type of male that lives in Florida, that can be dumbfounding at times. Not all, not all, but <laughs> there is, it's a special place. And, uh, you know, and that was a fine example of it, especially as you're saying that he tried like three times, which that was even funnier to me thinking about Mercury's passes. And I'm like, when did he try before? Has it been like successively, you know? Um, and then, you know, this state spends $144,000 on him when, you know, we need education and books and schools. It's like, where, I would just let that guy float. You know, maybe that's my cat. <laughs> like detach, float on, let the, float on. Let the Bermuda Triangle take him. Yes. That's what he wants, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyways, go to Simone's page on Instagram because she always has fun little stories that pop up that you're like, you know, <laughs> give food for thought for sure. Um, but one of the reasons why we're here today, like we are going to talk about Pluto, Saturn, and the South Node, because this is a juicy topic uh, that is happening in the month of April, um, and definitely to be discussed. Uh, but before we do that, we have a couple little things we wanted to share. And one of the reasons I brought Simone on is because we are both uh, approaching next week will be our year long anniversary uh, with our Patreon endeavor and our, you know, podcasting and, and the show that Simone is producing. Uh, so we kind of joined this journey together. And uh, so I thought we'd talk about it a little bit, you know, what has is, what is the last year been like for you <laughs> with this, uh, with your Patreon and all that? Well, you know, I did it because you encouraged me to do it. And I'm glad that you did. Because I needed to um, expand my presence more. I needed to try new things. And the really great thing that's come of it is um, I got myself a green screen, which is set up in my living room where the light is good. And I record because with a green screen, you can project any photo that you want. And once again, I get to choose a photo (laughs) to be behind me um, every week for this show. And the show is pretty short. It's 10, sometimes 15 minutes. Um, And when I first started it, I was really uncomfortable because it was just me on camera. And I was nervous. And I think that came through. But over the course of the year, I've grown more and more comfortable. And so that's been the really great thing. And some people seem to be enjoying the video. But uh, every week, I also do a written forecast. However, I get very little feedback and also there have been some technical issues, which I tend to attract, as you've pointed out. (laughs) People don't really have technical issues in the way that I do with my Mars Chiron opposition in the third and the ninth. But at any rate, um, so I'm debating at this point at the one year anniversary, do I want to continue with Patreon in general or with the show in the form that it's at? And because it's not working for me 
there are things about it that just feel very limited. And I think that's that south node energy that we're experiencing this April with Pluto conjunct the south node right now and Saturn conjunct the south node at the end of the month. The south node is the past. It's that emptying out point, that deep, intense hole that we may feel like we're stuck in to some degree and that we're kind of struggling to get out of. Did you happen to read April? Our dear friend April Elliot Kent just posted a blog about she's she's nominated the gopher as honorary animal for this new moon in Aries. And she writes about how um, her husband, Johnny, has declared war on the gophers in their <laughs> yard, which have effectively, you know, just taken over. Yeah. Now, I don't know exactly what he's planning to do to get rid of the gophers. I don't even want to know. But... It, she writes about the breaking up of hard ground. And you wrote about Jack too. Granny. Yeah. Jackie breaking, and Granny. <laughs> breaking up hard ground. And it's so interesting because I know you probably didn't compare notes and yet you're both talking about it in very similar uh, ways. And, you know, so we're all at that point, I think, right now, especially this month with these South Node conjunctions. I mean, it's been something like a hundred years since we've had anything uh, this tight with both Saturn and Pluto so near the South Node in the same month. So I think a lot of people are really examining in their lives um, old patterns and do I want to keep doing this anymore? And, you know, what, and if not, uh, what do I want to do differently? Mm, yeah. And I know I've definitely been feeling that myself and with my own Patreon, uh, you know, uh, offering because I, of course, you know, you put things out there with good intention, but sometimes, you know, what you offer is not always what everybody wants. And so I'm going back over that myself and what I can maybe put out there that would be beneficial um, for my own energies and then that uh, interest of others to make this more of a symbiotic kind of relationship going on here. Um, that's so funny about uh, April's. I haven't read her article yet, but that's the first thing I'm going to do when I get off this call with you. I can't and wait to read it. And by the way, it's, it's bigskyastrology.com. Um, yes, yes. She's not on April's list. You need to be on it. She's one of the best astrological writers and thinkers out there. She truly is. In fact, her book, The Essential Guide to Practical Astrology, just got named one of the top 10 astrology books. It's on Oprah's recommended list. She's really the bomb, April is. And she's worked really, really hard for many, many years to finally start getting a bit of recognition. It's, Pluto is trining her 10th house Mars. I was going to say that Mars and Virgo has definitely worked very hard to get to where but she is. But it took the Pluto <laughs> trine and it was exact when she got the news about being on this, um, you know, having received this great, these accolades. And so um, there's something to be said for uh, a Pluto trine Mars transit, right? Oh, absolutely. It's definitely going to be noticed. And luckily that was in a, um, a positive way where all her efforts uh, that she's put out there into the world was then, um, you know, they're, they're brought up and seen as 
what's the word I'm looking for? You know, because there's a there's an intensity to Pluto. There's a seriousness, but there also there's a profundity. And I think that's what April also has to offer in what it is that she writes about and just her way with words. Because she can make you um, think about things differently than you might go. They're just a way with words there. So definitely go check April out because um, she's fabulous. And that's really, you know, her Leo self. That's all we got to say. Yeah. Go do it. Well, she's been on your podcast a couple of she times. She has, yes. Well, we did a whole for, uh, astrology of 2019 uh, back at the beginning of this year, if you want to listen to that, because obviously it's still relevant because we're only, <laughs> we're only in April now, uh, her month, even though she was born in August. But... Um, but yes, yeah, so here we're back at April again, like th- th- when we started both of our, you know, endeavors right after a new moon in Aries, right? Um, and that's so funny that you said that you were, um, that you were a little at first, maybe a little shy on camera or you're just, you know, just doing it by yourself. Cause I felt the same way. I came out of a podcast where I was doing it with another person and there's definitely a comfort zone having that, you know, person to uh, bat things off of the same person every week. And then all of a sudden I'm doing this thing by myself and inviting people on that I know and I don't know to talk to. And so it took a little bit of adjustment to be comfortable with that position. So, but that's very indicative of starting our endeavors during the Aries energy, right? (laughs) Right. And you know, when I went back and looked at that new moon, I had forgotten um, the April new moon last year that we started this under that Mercury stationed direct the same day. So Mercury was stationary on that day, which, you know, everybody thinks people who know a little bit about astrology think, oh, Mercury's direct today. Now I can just start anything. And I I should have known better, honestly, (laughs) because starting it at a Mercury station pretty much guarantees that growth, if growth comes, it's going to be very slow. And it has been. And I keep, you know, I'll lose some patrons and then I'll gain some patrons, but more or less, I kind of feel like I'm treading water with the whole yeah, no, I, I definitely relate to that. <laughs> and, you know, that's just where we're at right now and why we are going to make certain changes uh, to shift the dynamic and, and try new things and let go of what's not working. And that's part of what we're talking about here today. But before we switch that dynamic, uh, Simone and I have a wonderful story of <laughs> going to go our, exper- our Zoltar experience and actually... Uh, which is really funny because the story we're about to tell you is all based on us wanting to get our own advice through good old Zoltar on what to do with these situations that we're talking about right now. Uh, so Simone, do you want to break down a little bit of uh, our journey? Well, yeah, in case anybody's wondering who Zoltar is, and apparently his alias is Zoltan. Yes. <laughs> some parts of the country, but he is a, a turbaned, um, you know, fortune teller, basically. It's kind of a cheesy thing, but it's, I just think it's, it's darling. It's, uh, he's encased in a little, you know, bubble. Most commonly known from Big. He was in Big, wasn't he? He was. He was? He, yeah, because he's the guy that made uh, um, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks young again. Oh my God, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, they, they have, there's a company that makes them. It's called Zoltar Speaks. And uh, re- mostly restaurants or other tourist attractions can uh, rent them, lease them. And then, you know, they, there are various fortunes. We don't know how many actual fortunes 
that, you know, he gives out except for, well, we, we think there's maybe not many because Mel got the same one this time and she got what a year ago. Yes. Right before I got the same fortune I got right before I went to UAC last year. It was all about uh, a safe ship never leaves the Harbor or something like that. Just basically saying like, get your ship out of the Harbor, try new things, take a trip, you'll meet people that'll be beneficial to you. And so now I'm about to go to Norwalk again and I get the same, (laughs) I get the same uh, thing. So yes. Fortune. Yeah. And you know, I wrote about this in my latest blog and uh, you know, I made it as fun as possible because it was a fun thing. We were excited. We couldn't find him. The last time we went down there, um, he was at a different location, but he'd run out of fortunes and they had not been able to like replenish his fortune yes. for months or something. And well, so- it was Mercury retrograde. We went Mercury oh. retrograde and when it was in Sagittarius. Right. I right, believe. Right. And then that's when we got our, our snafu where and Simone, oh my gosh, the, it, it wasn't, it said out of order. Simone goes into the store that regulates this machine and is like, where's Zoltan? What is, you know, she, her Leo Mars was just like, give me Zoltan. <laughs> it was so cute. Well, we had, we had based our entire outing on going and getting these fortunes, right? Yes. It seemed kind of crazy. Here we are astrologers. Can't we read our own fortunes in our charts? But if you practice astrology on any, any level, you've probably discovered how difficult it really is to read your own chart. Yes. You know, it's very, um, what's the word? The opposite of, it's subjective. subjective. <laughs> and anyway, so we went down there this time and this time he was gone completely. Really? Not, didn't he have fortunes? He was gone. We're like, oh my God, where is Zoltar? And then somebody told us, and while we were having lunch, one of the waiters said, oh, I think he's over here down this street at some restaurant. So then after lunch, we went in search of him and by God, there he was. And we were jumping up and down. We were so excited, right? (laughs) Which is so silly, but how often do you get to be childlike with, uh, you know, having uh, a sense of fun and glee uh, with a thing like that. And yeah. Zoltar, what Zoltar told me though, was he says, um, quit procrastinating and do what you've been saying you will do today. <laughs> Cracking that whip, Zoltar. <laughs> I know. And I was like, hmm. So I really had to sit with that and think about, because it could apply to many things in mm-hmm. Oh, like I've been considering leaving San Diego and uh, starting to travel and going to the south of France where I once fell in love with Provence and decided I might live there someday. And, you know, there's just a lot of things. That's like the big one. But there are like, you know, many other smaller things that I have been saying I was going to do or contemplating doing. And all of a sudden he's telling me, do it now. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we have to honor his word because we, yeah. we, <laughs> we did a lot to get to that moment, to get that little piece of advice, because, uh, we actually sought him out on the day that we sought him out the second time. And he was missing was the day that Mercury was stationing direct, uh, on Neptune. And, uh, Simone asked me to go out of the blue, like 24 hours prior. And we're like, well, let's just go do it. 
let's go see, you know? And, uh, it's, I mean, it's crazy because we, it was a total roller coaster. We are, we are parking and I'm like, Oh my God, Simone, I don't want to scare you, but the machine's not there. And so then we go, she's like, what? And so we go have a lunch, like she was saying, and the waiter who, or the host that sat us just happened to be like, Oh, how's your day going? And you know, my Mars and Gemini was like, let me tell you the whole story. (laughs) And, uh, sure enough, I'm glad I did because he was like, Oh, I think there's another machine. And that's what we went to seek out. We actually had to get another guy that had lived there for 30 years to help point us in the right direction again, because we actually walked right past it. Uh, but you know, it took a lot to get to that moment. And the fact that there was a second machine, which is actually really funny. You know, I think about Mercury retrograding in both Sagittarius and Pisces because they're both double-bodied signs and there's like two of things. And so- And mutable. And mutable. So here we had to kind of adapt and go with the flow. We had to find the other side, the other, the other Zoltar. Um, but well, it seems, Simone, that you got the message that you needed after all. Well, but here's the thing is- How do we, and that's, I think, the real dilemma of this South Node, Saturn, Pluto that we're in right now, which is, how do you know when what you're doing has outlasted its usefulness and needs to be ditched altogether versus, you know, like for me, I'm a Sun-Uranus conjunction with Mars conjunct Jupiter, and I don't stick with things very well. I tend to move on to the next thing. I'm like, this isn't working. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, it's been kind of, um, it's tripped me up a lot in my life. It has its positives, but I, it isn't, um, it's something over the years I have grown to notice. Like if I'm really impatient with something and I want to just give it the heave ho, mm-hmm. I learned to say, hmm, well, wait a minute here. Maybe I just need to change it up a little bit. Or maybe I just need to um, go deep within myself to understand why I'm resisting this, hmm. how I could um, transform it. So whether on the outside or if it's an internal thing and, you know, be more uh, responsible with this energy. Yeah. Rather than just repeating my old patterns. Well, and that makes a lot of sense too, because I mean, being a night chart, uh, as Simone is, you know, Saturn can be a little more, bit of a more difficult force to, you know, get through. And Saturn is what wants us to concretize something or stick to it or, you know, like see it through the long haul. And, uh, and so that can be challenging, uh, depending on that Saturn placement, um, for people, especially with a night chart. So, I love your approach because what you just said is basically the advice that I was going to give you, you know, rather than uh, just scrapping it all and being like, you know, and I know you have, so you have Saturn and Scorpio, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That really bl- kind of black and white, you know, like it, it either works or it doesn't, you know? Uh, and so changing it up and then finding uh, ways to make it more appealing to you, especially your, you know, your Gemini rising, you got a Gemini moon, you got all that mutable energy that needs some adaptability and needs some leeway and some fun and some freshness with it. And so maybe that's part of the thing here. The lesson is to, it's not to not stick with something. It's just keep evolving it and adapting it in a way that keeps it fun for you. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yes. So we're learning here. (laughs) We're that's what life is about, apparently, is just learning lessons and hopefully having a little fun along the way. I often forget about the fun component, which 
was why our little Zoltar outing was was so enjoyable because I rarely do things like that anymore. I'm always like focused on the task at hand and trying to get work done and, you know, do all those adult things. <laughs> well, you know, I think that really speaks to exactly what we're talking about here today. Having Pluto and Capricorn, Saturn and Capricorn in the South Node there. I'm in that same position, Simone, where I'm just every single waking part of my day seems to be focused on some sort of task. Whether it's my work that I've committed to in you know the career realm, whether it's a chore that I have to get to, whether it's this gar- garage sale that I'm having next week that I'm cleaning out my whole house and like getting rid of possessions that I've had for, uh, you know, some, a couple decades, like I'm talking a long time, but this is all work related stuff. And I'm just finding that there's no in-between space where I'm actually having fun or doing the things that, you know, like that my heart really wants to do. And then part of me is like, is this the time for that now anyways, you know, because I, all this energy is so concentrated in in this space that I can make moves in these areas, but you know, it's sucking all the fun out of my life. Uh, and having a Capricorn moon, I have to say, I'm predispositioned to work over fun anyways. <laughs> so I do have that working against me. But my Leo planets do like to play. Um, and so there needs to be a balance there. So I feel you, Simone. Um, I definitely had fun on our outing. And because it was literally, it was such a, it was an adventure. We yeah. were going from, we were following this proverbial map treasure map almost to get to Zoltar. Um, yeah. So I, I feel, yeah. So how do we inject more fun within a lot of this heaviness and denseness and release, uh, that we're all going through right now? Um, that's the question. And this week is rather, uh, you know, ramping that up, not only because, uh, at the time this airs, Pluto will have already conjuncted the South Node, but it's still in a very hot orb. Um, and Saturn is on the way to make that connection too. And so we have the Sun also squaring Saturn and Pluto and the South Node this week um, as we push off of last week's Aries new moon. So these forces are at play, right, Simone? Like more so now than ever. Um, yes, indeed. Well, they're at work and maybe a little bit of play. Let's yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, so, I mean, what can we expect this week from that Saturn-Pluto square, first off, before we even get into like the South Node uh, juiciness? And, and Simone and I have some interesting examples to share in that realm. But, you know, what do you think about the Sun squares this week? Well, the sun, of course, is in Aries now, and Aries wants to go, 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 and and doesn't care about looking back to the past or examining the deeper motivations or anything. And so I would imagine that that uh, energy is, that square is going to feel kind of frustrating for this sun, this new moon uh, energy, which will have already passed, right, by the time this yes. aired. But still, it's in the ethers, and that's why it's important, I think, right now to look at, um, you know, how things are working for you. Are they working for you, especially whatever house the new moon is falling in and wherever Saturn and Pluto are, uh, because it's square. And that means that there may be blockages that have to be overcome, obstacles. There may be factors that slow things down or that. Um, you know, you need to wisely consider before just leaping off a 
cliff like we would like to do at an Aries new moon. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And that is a solid piece of advice. It's not that we won't leap. There's just a lot of things to consider. Uh, there's a lot of... Um, prior things that need to be handled maybe before that new energy can take off, you know, because there is that weight of Saturn and Pluto. Um, but is also giving us, I think those connections to get a lot of hard work done, but maybe hard work that like much like my yard sale that is rooted in the past that, you know, the baggage has to be, you know, (laughs) attended to before that freshness of Aries can like spring forward, like it wants to do. And so there might be a little bit of a, a battle there to like maybe, uh, rush ahead or, you know, forget, to attend to these pressing matters that really we need to take responsibility for before we're going to get anywhere else and begin something new, or at least that's what I'm feeling for myself. Yeah. Well, I just had this overwhelming compulsion to do something this morning that I know must be connected to this energy. And that is I have a piggy bank. It's uh, ceramic. And eight years ago, I created it and I, I decoupaged it as a, an enhancement to create a happy marriage in my life, which has been an elusive goal of mine with North Node in the seventh house um, for many, many years. I've never been married. I've been in relationships, but it's, you know, I'm really ready to have something solid and stable for the rest of my life. And so eight years ago, I created this and I fed dollar bills into it for I forget how long. It's there's like 400 bucks worth of either dollar bills or coins in this um piggy bank. Well, all of a sudden, I just had the urge to go get a hammer and <gasps> it. And I was like, you know what? 8 years is long enough. There's something that's not working here, <laughs> you know? And so I began pulling the dollar bills out and putting them into stacks and, you know, it's going to be a long process. It's going to take a while. It's very Saturnine. It's not like, oh, I'm just, you know, immediately going to have all this money that I can then spend. And I actually think I'm going to spend some of it on joining this site called Silver Singles, which apparently is really good for people over 50. And I know people that have found their mates that way. And so it seems like a wise use of the money. Uh, rather than just having 400 odd bucks sitting around in a piggy bank doing nothing that was supposed to be spent on my honeymoon that has yet to arrive, I am actually going to put at least part of it toward the concrete Saturnine approach to finding someone who is, you know, potentially, let's hope anyway, on the same page with me who wants the things I want and can be my mate. Oh my gosh. So Simone, I love that for a couple of reasons. A, because uh, Simone is experiencing Jupiter conjunct her North Node in the seventh house right now. Right. But do you realize that with that piggy bank, you cracked it open? Much yeah. like Jackhammer Granny. Yes. And Johnny out in the back getting the groundhogs. <laughs> No, the gophers. The the gophers. Not the groundhogs. You're you're safe today, groundhogs. But (laughs) Um, 
So, you know, essentially you did the same thing. You cracked open this thing that had been there for such a long time and now you're repurposing it um, and breaking ground in a new way with by joining the service. I love and it. One more thing. I found, I had totally forgot. I found it's something that I had written like an affirmation of what I was seeking and and had stuck it in there. And I read through it and I'm like, this is way too specific. I named like a certain age that I wanted him to be and that he has to live nearby. And, you know, it was just extremely um, narrow mm. way. Some of it, it was, is still going to be true for me, but I saw, look what I've been searching for or affirming was this very narrow thing. And that is like, oh, um, very south node and with Saturn and Pluto, it's like it was too narrow. I have to expand it. I have to open up to him being a different age or living in a different city or whatever it may be. Oh, that, and that speaks really well to, not to put Simone on the spotlight here, but that speaks well to the Gemini uh, Sagittarius nodal access because here that south node, and I know you have the moon conjunct that area, you know, you had all those Gemini specifics you know, these are the facts of what I want. (laughs) Rather this Sagittarius, you know, open, expansive space of like, I'll just attract it in and kind of bring more of an umbrella of what I'd like in my life rather than these, you know, all the details. So that's, that also seems to play very well for like the changes that you're making and the realizations you're coming to within what it is that you, you really desire and want to attract into your life. Um, Cause I feel you like sometimes I'll look back. I know I've done a um, handful of years. I did a, uh, a little like cleansing ceremony with a good friend of mine, Kiki, who, by the way, Kiki, who was my first guest on the podcast and one of my closest spiritual gal pal friends, her and my dear friend, Megan Ray, um, we're all a little trio of friends. They're going to be joining me for my first year anniversary show next week. So I can't wait for that. I'm going to have three people on at one time. So that should be fun. Um, but I digress. So we did this, uh, ritual and we were just writing down all these things that we wanted to release. And so we read them out loud to each other because it was a safe space before we went and burnt it and and kind of let that go. And I just had a laundry list and everybody looked at me like, you're, you know, you're too hard on yourself. There's, you're too, you know, there's just too much. There's too much detail. There's too much exacting. And, And it's different from your own story, but similar in the fact that there's just too much. And like, what pressure are we putting on ourselves um, or the situation um, through all those specifics that, you know, (laughs) that we're attaching to, I guess is what I'm saying here. So yeah, yeah, I learned in that moment that I'm like, wow, maybe I just need to be a little easier, a little easier on myself and, you know, what I'm capable of and, (laughs) or, you know, what I expect basically. Expectations. Do we want? I'm looking at at our notes here of what we might want to cover, and I'm just wondering about. um, I always like to look at the last time that certain aspects happened. Uh, For instance, the last conjunction of Pluto with the South Node, which of course was in a different sign. It was in Sagittarius. That was August of uh, 2002. Mm So I was thinking about what was that about, you know, and that was when I found out that I needed a hysterectomy and then I had it 
within a couple of months. Oh, that's very Pluto, you know, the reproductive organs and removing the past. It, it needed to be removed. It, it was full of fibroids. I don't need to go into any more details. And it was also the time that I found out that my mother had ALS. And although she didn't actually pass from that in until 2005, it was when her, her speech was starting to slur. And we, we didn't, nobody knew what that was about. And then ultimately her, her throat closed up and she had to be on a feeding tube and it was horrible. Anyway, so these two health-related um, events is what that Pluto South Node was uh, encapsulating for me the last time around. How about you? Mm. Well, I'm trying to think of what happened to me around that time. Um, so we're looking at August 2002. I know I was switching out. Um, actually, that was a really rough year for me <laughs> in the romance department, um, I remember. And uh, yes, I basically... there. I, I'm not even sure I want to share that. Now that I think about it, there was a... I was basically being through a past... Uh, <sighs> event that had taken place within a romantic relationship that, you know, was, was questionable, but hey, people do things when they're young and 22. Um, anyways, that whole year in, 20, in 2002, and especially from the summer on into October, um, I was basically hunted by these girls that, uh, oh yeah, they flattened my tires on my birthday. They would write in, in lipstick on mirrors about like, they would give my personal information and say uh, all these nasty things about me. And, uh, so that was around that time. (laughs) And, uh, then actually by October, um, right before one of the key girls moved to San Francisco, which I'm sure there is a direct correlation here. They, totally destroyed my car. Like they, oh oh, yeah, they like urinal caked it, eggs, ketchup, maple syrup, uh, urine or sugared the gas tank. They poured a bucket of paint on top of it. Like, I mean, I like came out to this and just, cause I had already been going through months of like, you know, this is a very Scorpio rising type of thing, definitely, um, especially with my Pluto contacts. But I have been going through months of this. And the irony of the whole situation, not to go into too much detail, was the fact that I had been the only one in the whole, you know, scenario from the get-go that was upfront with everyone. I was upfront and honest from the day one when it was needed to be. But everybody else's backdoor methods and, and not being, you know... It, <sighs> Then everybody turned on me when I was the one who was upfront about everything that had happened and honest the whole time. And so it doesn't make it better, you know, like, because obviously it was like a cheating relationship was what's happened here. Um, But, you know, it was just a weird point in my life. And so, yes, that was rough for me. And I do have sun. I have a, I was born on a full moon with Pluto exactly square by degree. So Pluto, when it's doing anything that is significant in the sky or in my chart is definitely going to be felt for me. Yeah, we don't, but we don't want to terrify people no. here. No, you're not going to be like me. <laughs> that that Pluto conjunct the South Node is going to bring, you know, uh, death to your loved ones or, or you know, weird ex- uh, experiences like you just described. I mean, that's kind of horrifying. Well, it was, uh, but, you know, that was, and here's the thing. And I agree with you, Simone. We don't want to scare people. But we also have to realize, especially when we're talking about the South Node, 
there are karmic conditions that we come into in this life that are fateful for us to go through for whatever reason. And sometimes those are, uh, you know, on a level of a, a five of discomfort. Sometimes those are level 10 discomfort, you know, and it just depends on you, your makeup. And, you know, and it's not, regardless of what you even go through, like you, it's, we don't need to be fearful of it. We don't need to, uh, you know, cause in life, unfortunate things happen. And sometimes unfortunate things happen to bad people. Sometimes they happen to good people. Sometimes they happen to people that are good that have done something that maybe was not so good, <laughs> you know? So yeah, don't go, let's not go uh, to the dark side here. But I do have another example, which is, I think you're going to like this, Simone. It has to do with Nicolas Cage, you know? <laughs> yes. And so I'm sure some of you are familiar with uh, our celebrity Nicolas Cage here. And so, okay. So I looked up Simone because uh, the South Node was conjunct Pluto uh, August 22nd, 2002. And so I looked up in history what happened around that time. And so sure enough, Nicolas Cage came up of when he married Lisa Marie Presley, uh, Elvis's daughter. And that was famous for only lasting like 107 days, right? <laughs> and so that, right. Didn't, that didn't last. And I was like, well, that sounds South Node Pluto. But <laughs> Simone, as I was looking it up, I found an article that was only like three days old where uh, good old Nick Cage was back again asking for an annulment Wednesday, March 27th, 2019, uh, because he had married uh, someone in Vegas, his girlfriend, um, and he was citing reasons that included being too drunk to understand his actions. Mercury conjunct Neptune stationing. Um, Yes. So here he is back again as the Pluto conjuncts the South Node, having a marriage that is only lasting. This time it's only going to last like a week basically because he's getting it annulled. Um, and so I asked myself, I'm like, okay, so what's going on with the Pluto and South Node for Nicolas Cage? Because here we have two exact incidences of a very similar thing going on. And so I looked up his chart um, and he has, his natal sun is at 16 degrees Capricorn, which happens to be where my moon is. So I'm like, hmm. Happens um, to be where Saturn is. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he also has his own south node, which is conjunct Mercury retrograde in Capricorn at 12 degrees Capricorn. And he's a Sag rising. So his descendant, his partnership place is Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury. So he has Mercury retrograde conjunct his south node natally. So south node issues are already, uh, are already very partnership related, right? Because that Mercury ruler is there. Um, and he also has, so that's, that's our south node tie. Um, and he also has Venus in conjunction with Saturn, which <laughs> speaks to his <laughs> scenario. Um, and he has the moon in Libra, which is at the which is out there in the open. Um, and then his ruler, his chart ruler, Jupiter, is conjunct the bottom of the chart at the IC, or which could be an ending point as well. Um, and so I think that Libra in conjunct his MC area there makes his relationship hardships very public, <laughs> you know, cause it kind of, it goes back to that Venus, uh, Saturn conjunction there. Um, so, I mean, isn't that funny, Simone? Not for Nick, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd think he'd be, I mean, I don't want to be, make a harsh judgment here, but how old is he? He's got to be 50s. He's 55 years old. Hello. And- you think 
a person would learn about, you know, getting too drunk and marrying somebody in Las Vegas. Wasn't he famous for some role where... Leaving Las Vegas. He should have left Las Vegas. (laughs) 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 Well, so, you know, and another part of that, yeah, because that was a famous movie for him being an alcoholic, you know, the tragic movie, but... What's also interesting about his story too, and I don't know exactly what the details are here, is that he was arguing he wasn't aware of this woman's relationship with another person. So not only was he too drunk to understand his actions at the time of marrying this person, he was also there was also a little discrepancy going on there too, which is so Mercury, you know, retrograding over Neptune and in Pisces, like that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> wow. So well. You know, and then I also looked at um, the last Saturn South Node, which you um, pointed out was October of 2007. Mm-hmm. And that actually um, turned out to be a really positive thing, at least in my life. That was the month right around the time that my friend Sally was getting her certification in feng shui. And she volunteered um or asked me, did I want to volunteer to be one of her guinea pigs? And so she came over for three hours and completely feng shui'd my house. And we moved things around and we stirred up energy and we just totally cleansed the past. And she taught me so many things and, you know, and it spurred me to continue even after she left and I was cleaning out my storage shed and it was not only was it very productive in my life, in many areas of my life, I attracted a relationship after, but it also triggered me to start thinking about the correlations between Western feng shui and Western astrology, which led to me creating astro feng shui and writing a book about it. So that Saturn South Node was an extremely positive experience for me. How about you? That's wonderful, Simone. It's like, uh, well, and it's so interesting too because it happened at five degrees Virgo, uh, and so I love that it was the rearranging of your your home and you know getting that fresh energy in there that even led you to uh, write a book about these sort of things, you know, like well, that's it, all- happened. it happened in my fourth house. That's it, where my Virgo is. Exactly. And, and well, and then, cause we're both cancers, Simone and I, and so solar wise, that's also that connects to the third house too. So it's like a third house, fourth house emphasis. And so here you are writing about feng shui the home, you know, and you can kind of see how those two kind of overlap and play. Um, for me, I think it was a very, uh, it was a good, time. It was another time where (laughs) it was another time. Well, no, I had already gotten out of a relationship at that point. That was significant, but I was on my own for the first time in my life um, that year where I was living by myself. I had my own business, which was really taking off. I like made the most money I think I'd ever made in my life that year in 2007. I totally welcome that energy back into my, into my life. Um, but you know, for me, Virgo is my 11th house. Uh, and so they're in, so there's good fortune there. And I have to say for me personally, that is around the time that I had my own Saturn return because I have Saturn in Virgo, um, at 10 degrees Virgo. So that's not, that's, 
close to me having that, you know, very pivotal time in my life where, you know, that's our initiation period, our Saturn initiation period. And for me, Saturn's conjunct my own North Node. So there was a lot of action going on for me because I had South Node conjunct North Node, Saturn about to meet Saturn. Um, And yeah, it was, it was good. It was challenging, of course, because I was on my own for the first time and having to figure things out. And I got out of a relationship in order to have that, um, that opportunity to do so. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, th- I think it was, I think it was pretty good for, for me now that I look back. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the last week of this month when that becomes exact, although it's, it's it within orb already. So oh, yes. Even well, if- speaking of orb, Simone, real quick, so people know kind of like what we're looking at. Is this a one day thing? Is this a, um, because I think it was Celeste, Teal that was in her book, she was saying, uh, the orbs on the nodes are rather narrow as it aspects a planet, uh, natal and transiting. There is about a two week period on either side of the transit. So we're looking at about a one month, you know, time span, um, that the South node can move over this planet, whether it's the transiting ones that Simone and I are talking about, or maybe if it's moving over your own natal planet. Um, and really that half a degree to the near exact, and we are getting close to that near exact, especially with Pluto right now, we're already there. Um, that is when it's the most potent. So, you know, it's not this like day energy where one day, you know, Simone feng shui's her house. It was probably really close in that orb, but there's energies that lead up to it. And there's energies that also, you know, play out as the influence starts to wane. Right. And, and the other thing to remember is that Saturn and Pluto are very close to one another right now, which is a preview of their exact conjunction, which won't happen until January of 2020. But because Saturn's at, actually Saturn's at 20 right now. Is that right? 20 I think so. It's close it's, to it. Saturn's going to retrograde uh, at the end of the month. And I believe at 20 degrees. So this is the closest get <laughs> to Pluto. And, and then it's going to retrograde away. So I think that we're being given a chance to kind of purge or really open up the that, um, you know, uh, what's been buried and, and look at what's going on underneath and release things in preparation for that Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which is a one-time pass. That only happens, um, that happens January 12th, I believe. And it coincides with a, a lunar eclipse on the 10th of January, which lights up the whole dynamic. So that's the big um, expression of this energy. But this is kind of a preview or an opportunity to kind of get uh, to, to release. I mean, the South Node is the emptying out point, right? Mm-hmm. But we're, we're getting to examine and release things that are no longer needed so that when Saturn and Pluto join in January, we're ready for it, which the way I'm looking at it is just in two words, it's about holding power. Um, Saturn is the holding process, the containment of an energy, and Pluto's power. Now, but the question is, is it power over mm. or is it power holding power within? Mm. That's really the thing. I mean, we could go either way and some people will and already are going power over because they're that's what they've learned and that's, you know, it feeds 
their ego or whatever, but it's really about learning to hold power within and not be buffeted around by the, um, you know, temporal changes around us. Mm, yes. And that has a Capricorn moon, especially square Pluto. I've had to learn those lessons the hard way. Don't control mm-hmm. other people. Learn to, uh, you know, find the power in, in the positive control of yourself in this scenario. So that's a good piece of advice, really, in, in these times that are coming up as we do have this opportunity to release certain things. But sometimes release is not always an easy process. You know, there are growing pains that go along with being able to kind of, you know let go of something or wash things away. So, you know, we can find that power in Capricorn, um, you know, that personal inner authority to allow that to to happen, um, but not try to control the outside of it. Because, you know, we have to remember that the, the nodes just in general, I mean, they're attached to the idea of very karmic points. Like we, we, speak solely through karma kind of with this, you know, both in Western astrology and in Vedic astrology and Eastern astrology. Um, and it's really, you know, it comes down to the relationship between the sun and the moon. That's the only reason we're talking about these nodes is because these, you know, mathematical points based on the ecliptic is based on the sun and moon's orbit. So, you know, this is that subconscious meeting the unconscious. This is the, uh, as they like to say, you know, Saturn is the North node and it's what we take in with the head. And then we kind of have that Mars in the South Node uh, energy, and that's where we eliminate or you know cut out like what Mars can do at the tail. So we are so we are taking in. Let's not forget that as well. Simone and I are like focusing on all this like concentrated South Node energy. We are still taking in things and, and you know uh, really examining the possibilities and getting lit up in the area across the way over in Cancer. Um, so there is that within all this, um, I think. So. Yeah, it, it can be, it's, so here, I have another example for you, uh, Simone, for a good friend of mine um, and neighbor. Uh, she, I found out yesterday that she is meeting, she flies out tomorrow. <laughs> she's meeting her father for the first time in 45 years since she's been born. Wow. Yes. This is a very Saturn thing, right? Saturn, uh, Capricorn. Saturn. Saturn's the father. Um, And obviously this is a very transformative, uh, you know, moment for her. Pluto conjunct the South Node. You know, she's never known this man. And I don't know the the super details of it, but from what I know, he, before or what right after she was born, he had to be put into a witness protection program. Oh my God. Yeah. So it wasn't like he just like skipped off and like, you know, or whatever. There were, there were karmic situations that really set up and she's a Pisces, you know, so if we're looking at that Pisces son, you know, there was that sacrifice there with the father. Um, and I've seen that with Pisces sons, uh, on a few occasions, um, for in different scenarios, of course. But I thought, how powerful is that for her to, you know, have this opportunity um, that is going to be life-changing for her to connect with this, you know, a male figure that she's never had in her life uh, from a circumstance that was out of her control, uh, yet they get to reconnect in this space. Um, and 
And that's, you know, that's going to be life-changing for her, you know, in, in many ways. So I thought that was an, an interesting manifestation of this, uh, you know, <laughs> this transit as well. And she does have Mars conjunct right there, um, uh, kind of in the space of my, my moon and where Saturn is going over right now. So she's already, she's having her own transits in Capricorn and she has the North Node in Capricorn too. So she's, um, she's having her own things. Anyway, so I just thought that was a fascinating story and how incredible, really. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that reminds me too of a story that I, um, well, not really a story, but an an interesting parallel. Um, As I was reading about the last time Saturn joined Pluto in Capricorn, Mm. you know when that was? No, but I imagine a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was it was 1518. Mm. A time that was most notable for Columbus and other explorers, Europeans who began coming to the Americas, decimating the native cultures and spreading um, you know, for colonization and spreading de- destruction in their wake. So that's a very I mean, some people might consider that a positive, to have a positive um, element to it. I mean, we wouldn't be living here in America. Who knows where we'd be if that hadn't happened, but at the most horrendous possible price. So Saturn, Pluto, Capricorn, the last time around was pretty scary. And recently I read, and I didn't, seek out the source because I'm only now thinking of it right now, but um, they are petitioning to change Columbus Day to Indigenous America, Americans Day. And I'm not sure if it's gone through and whether it's really happening, but the fact that that is occurring now, I mean, in a small way, some restitution is taking place. We're getting Columbus off his high horse at last. And that that would be happening now under Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn all these years later is interesting. That is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I that and then fits so well in with that too because I mean we're go back to the South Node and you know and this kind of fateful release or, or loss of something, and that doesn't always have to be a bad thing. I mean that was tragic what happened, but like you said, would we even be here talking about this right now? You know, there's so much as you know, transpired since that point. Um, but now there can be that release there and we can come back to honor, you know, the people that were persecuted along the way and, and you know, really still are um, and not given their, you know, just due and they have been stuck to circumstances based on, you know, the conquering forces. It's very Capricorn, um, you know, type of energy there. Uh, and really Saturn and... Pluto, when they conjuncted back in the early 1500s there, that was around the time too, the right after um, Martin Luther made his 95 thesis, put it on, you know, breaking up the Catholic church and disrupting all this kind of, you know, these, these systems that were in place. Um, And, and that's another thing that's really tapping into this Capricorn energy too, is the, you know, systems. And why we're talking about breaking ground or breaking things up too, because if we have a system that we go about, um, and even like when you were saying your story earlier with the, uh, how you have this pattern where, you know, if you get 
maybe bored of something or, you know, irritated with something, you're just going to let it go. That's still a system. That's a pattern. That's, you know, that's like a thing that we uphold. We all have them within ourselves, uh, but we also have them outside of ourselves and the, the structures of society, which is a very Capricorn thing as well. It's the structure, the hierarchy of the collective um, in an earthly way. And so we are looking at systems. We're looking at our own systems, how they're working. We're looking at the systems that are around us that support us as people. And so I have another example, um, which I'm sorry that they're all, some of them are uplifting. Some of them are a little down, but you know, there is, there's a seriousness to this energy here. So, okay. So systematic systems and systems failing us. Um, and so I have a friend, childhood friend who is a wonderful person. She has a large family. She's, um, She's a, a midwife. Uh, she does surrogacy births for people. Like she's a very caring, loving, giving person. And so she has been in the um, she has been in in uh, uh, in the state of adopting a little girl um, basically for much of 2018. Uh, that has been what she's been actively doing. And, you know, with adoption, you got to get through a lot of different steps, right? You got to go through all the, <laughs> all the systems to get there. And so they finally got this little girl and um, everything seemed to be going fine, but then things started to turn, you know, for the worst. Um, and then I saw yesterday, uh, once again, spot on timing that they actually had to uh, give her up. Um, which is not wow. something that she wanted to do. She wanted to do everything not to do that because she's just such a giving person. But it was, the little girl was very destructive um, and tearing their family up. Um, and really what she was saying and part of the problem was the system that the child had been in to begin with, how she had no therapy, basically. She has had horrible things happen to her. Um, and so basically that Capricornian system had failed that little girl. And then when she was put into the care that she needed, that all the karma from the past basically then put her back into the system. And sometimes, and that's a thing that's faithful and out of our control and nobody necessarily wants. Um, but that sometimes that is the reality. So I know that's a sort of a depressing story, but I hope the best for all of them. And, you know, sometimes life does bring those obstacles or those hard breaks or those uh, tough decisions, you know, because Capricorn's very decisive uh, energy as well that we're going to have to make um, at this time for whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. So I just, Simone's all, huh? <laughs> I know. Well, I'm looking through my notes for a positive, uh, something to, I don't know if we're ready to end this yet, but I, these <laughs> people on, on such a kind of a down note, I mean, it is an Aries new moon. Yeah. It's square Saturn and Pluto. It's, it's also widely trying Jupiter, you know, this, yeah. And, and, and that, um, well, this is the thing, Simone, not to pull people back. And so, yes, that thing might've happened in that moment. And that's maybe where that little girl ends up, but that's not the end of the story. Oh, you know what I mean? No, yeah. not, that's not my story in this moment. Yes. But right. that's not the end of her story, that's not the end of my friend's story. You know, these, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to 
just trying to say that there's are these certain times in our life that might be more difficult for whatever reason. And there are going to be levels of difficulty depending on what your chart looks like and, and how this energy is working for you. Um, but that doesn't mean good things aren't down the road. Like that's the whole nature of the South Node is sometimes you have to release things uh, in order to then set the conditions to you know gravitate towards the North and what needs to go there. And so um, you know we have to let go sometimes in order to gain. And so hopefully the situation will turn around for both of these people uh, in the end. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just wanted to share something briefly that Kelly Surtees said recently in a post she made on Saturn-Pluto South Node, which speaks to exactly what you're saying. She says, April is a month to burn off distractions and superficial stuff obligations that are like the filler of life to go beyond the surface to probe deeply into what lies beneath. Since these aspects involve Saturn and Pluto, it might not feel pleasant, but it can highlight necessary confrontations with profound truths and fears that are needed to be faced. So you can liberate yourself from shackles like fear that keep you down. Mm. Yes, that's wonder. That's a wonderful advice to give because, like you said, it's not necessarily easy energy to get through. And I don't think we provided. Um, I'm going to provide the dates when Saturn meets the South Node because I don't think we got there yet. Oh. But Saturn will uh, conjunct the South Node on April 30th at the end of this month, which happens to be the day that Mercury and Mars meet in sextile and mutual reception in Aries and Gemini. So I think there is actually a clarity that comes, a clarity of action that really comes at that first pass of the Saturn, uh, Saturn conjunct south node um, at the end of this month. Uh, so definitely, you know, look forward to that, <laughs> you know, how you can best use this energy to release um, and be straight with your purpose. Then it will pass again on uh, Independence Day here in the U.S. on July 4th, which is very interesting con in considering the fact that our country is going through its uh, Pluto return here shortly. Um, so I have, a f and the eclipses are happening around then. So I'm thinking that will be very potent. Pluto uh, return is, is what, 2022? I want to, uh, for the U.S., I think it's 26. Is it? I, it's a little, or yeah, no, I think it's a little bit later. Um, we'll have to double check on that. But then we'll have our final pass on September 27th. Um, so, you know, the, so there's going to be a few opportunities basically <laughs> in order to, uh, you know, utilize this energy and how it can work for you here. So let's see with our Pluto. Uh, yeah, Pluto in the U.S. chart is 27 degrees of Capricorn. So we have a little bit of time left there for that Pluto return, but it's coming up. It's, it's, it's going to be here before we know it, I think. It uh, is 2022. Um, that's when Pluto gets to 27 or 2022 into 2023, that two year period. Mm. Yeah. So now I think as we wrap it up here, um, as far as those dates are concerned, and really the fact that the sun is squaring all this energy this week that uh, Simone and I are talking about. So we are getting a, a, a conscious hit, basically, of what this energy looks like. Um, it is a square, so it can bring tension, it can bring friction, challenge, um, or just propel us into some sort of action. Um, and 
really first quarter this week is going to happen at 22 degrees cancer. So we're looking at the time that we push forward every lunar month uh, where there's some tension there is going to be in opposition to these placements that Simone and I are talking about. Um, so Simone, do you, have any idea, do you have any idea what first quarter might look like, uh, you know, opposing? What, all date is, what date is that? That is on Friday of this, uh, the week that this airs. So um, Friday the 12th, we have first quarter in... At 22 degrees of cancer, smack dab in the middle of the day here. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what I'm really most interested in is the, um, how the planets are going to start finally moving into Aries, particularly since I'm ruled by Mercury. I'm anxiously awaiting the um, 17th of April when Mercury finally moves into Aries and then Venus moves into Aries, I believe on the 20th. So we're still in the Piscean Mercury period, which as we know uh, until then is, is not a good place for Mercury to be. Mercury is in its fall in Pisces. And so that means we're, you know, to some degree, Still, and Venus joins Mercury on the 9th, it looks like. Jupiter goes retrograde on the 10th. So we're still not out of the fog. We're still, when this um, uh, moon on the 12th, this quarter moon on the 12th happens, it, it might still be connected to release and letting go more than with um, new beginnings, although it looks like on the 14th, the sun trines Jupiter. So there could certainly be good news on that. Of some. On my yard sale. <laughs> I know. Which is so, so perfect, Simone, because really those days uh, prior, I'm going to be working my tail off, letting go, releasing all that stuff that's been in my home, cancer, <laughs> you know. To well, I thought it was in your storage unit. Oh, it's in both places, girl. <laughs> Where isn't it is where I'm asking, <laughs> where I'm asking uh, myself these days. I just want it all gone. Um, yeah. yes, we can be little pack rats as cancers, uh, especially if we find value or find it beautiful, you know, like it, get emotionally attached to things, or at least I do. <laughs> so. Pack rats or, or gophers. Um, I was just... <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, April finishes her essay by, by saying we need to take stock of where we may be burrowing in inhospitable soil. Mm. The, the gopher is, um, and, but not necessarily to give up too soon. We have to learn to recognize when something isn't working so we can redirect all that brash enthusiasm toward a more promising enterprise, which reminds me of a quote that is often attributed to Winston Churchill, although when I went to research it, it's apparently not in his writings anywhere. And it's also been attributed to Lincoln, but you can't find it in his writings either. So whoever said it, I think really applies right now to this moment we're in. Here it is. Success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Mm, that is so perfect and <laughs> so perfect for the Aries season. And yeah. even what you were talking about with what April was saying, that, that really brings full circle 
to the start of our conversation and what we were talking about with our own Patreons and like redirecting certain things. And so I I think that's a wonderful way to really wrap up our conversation, (laughs) you know, with what, because really, yes, that sums up a lot of this energy right now um, and how to take advantage of it in a positive way rather than feeling defeated or a failure at something or within circumstance. Yeah. If you're feeling like a failure at something right now, which is such a heavy place to be, just, you know, read, read the biography of Thomas Edison, who had, what, a thousand different tries at inventing the light bulb before he finally got it right. And Henry Ford is another one, you know, I mean, they just persisted and they did not give up and eventually uh, they realized their ball. Yeah. Yeah. Walt Disney was the same way. He did a lot to get to the start of what, you know, the empire that he built, (laughs) very Capricorn. Um, But yeah, take that away this week and and remember that as we go through these changes in this very potent time, especially for the setup of 2019. And like Simone was saying earlier, the upcoming Saturn-Pluto conjunction in January, because these are foreshadowing events. These are times where we can take advantage to release and let go like we're saying so that when this new start happens, we will have already done the preparatory work to let go of the old in the process. Yeah. So, all right, Simone. Well, I think we had a fabulous talk on the nodes and had so many juicy examples and all types of things. So yes, indeed. I hope the listeners liked it. So now before we go here, Simone, uh, recap where people can find you. Well, my website is astroalchemy.com. And my Instagram is Simone.moonpower. And my um, Patreon is patreon.com forward slash. Is it forward or backward? Backslash. Backward slash Butler. <laughs> Simone Butler. Yes. So you can find her there. And of course, I will have those links on my blog page as well. Um, and to get to my blog page, you can go to energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And I know Simone's over there active on Facebook as well. So you could type in there to get to her. Um, and then my Patreon that we were speaking of, spoke of earlier is at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and so if you like what you hear here, today, you know, spread it, spread the word, share it with a friend because we shared some valuable information for this period in time that some people might want to know to give a little frame of reference. (laughs) So spread the good word. And if you like, uh, you know, the podcast in general, leave a good review on iTunes because that helps myself and others like Simone to be seen um, more readily. Um, So yes, you know, it's going to be an interesting April. For sure, Simone. So uh, we will just have to keep in touch and see what happens. So thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Always. So, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, And as always, may the stars be with you.